Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. This is an incredible interview that I am so grateful I was able to be a part of to help connect the world with Corey Lane Hilton. Corey Lane Hilton is a certified authenticity coach and best-selling author, and he is well-respected certified authenticity coach. We got into such an incredible conversation. And if you want to talk about vulnerability and sharing your story, I think Corey is truly the epitome of this. He has entertained thousands of clients internationally over the span of 25 year career in the male exotic dance industry, laying the groundwork for his raw mission driven message through his unique and colorful perspective. With life experience and dedicated research on the subject of self-worth, he reveals his 10 strongest personal values and the emotional feelings attached to them in a career that most cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend. If we do not live in this world, we do not comprehend what it is to live in this world. And Corey did such an incredible job during this episode to share pieces of this with us. His insights have been seen on multiple social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as many different podcasts focusing on mental health, spirituality, and authenticity. As an authenticity coach, he has the ability to help men over 30 lacking emotional expression overcome subconscious blocks by utilizing his unique perspective while providing his naked truth through his journey of self-discovery. He exposes his struggle between his authentic self and his onstage alter ego in a foregone industry, providing his audience with a view of the reality of what it was like to be on the other side of the velvet rope. I loved this conversation. I absolutely loved it. We went deep. We went and very real. We literally had so much to talk about. And I love seeing more and more men stand in this space and vulnerably share who they are. This is how you uncover your authenticity. And this is literally what Corey Lane Hilton is all about. You're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Corey. I'm so thrilled to have this conversation with you. Oh, thanks, Marcia. I appreciate you having me on. This is an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. And another fellow Canadian, which doesn't happen too often. I have to say in the podcasting world, a lot of Americans, people from like a number of different countries, not always Canadian. So yeah, I love to laugh at myself. Sometimes I lived on the, the both sides of the border in my lifetime. So I, I really am aware now of uh, making sure that I, I say a at least one time in every Canadian conversation and a good old sorry to top it all off. Make sure that I highlight the O, not the A, the O. 
<laughs> oh my god, I'm loving this already. Okay, <laughs> this is it. This is one of those podcast recordings where I like we've already been chatting for like you know 10 15 minutes, sure. and there's so many things that I resonate with what you talk about. So let's just dive right in to you and your story and who is Corey. Oh man, that uh, there's a lot to unwrap there. I guess what it comes down to is, is I really write. At this particular moment in life, I'm really, I'm 51 years old now. I live in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada, here on the West Coast, somewhere I've always wanted to live, quite frankly. I kind of manifested that to a certain degree, I guess you could say. But at the same time, who I was in my former career is one thing, because I actually, as a former dancer, I actually had a pretty interesting alter ego side that came out on stage that I actually worked uh, behind that mask of my alter ego for many, many, many moons, 25 years, as a matter of fact. So, but now I'm not that guy. I actually have taken that mask off, exposed a lot of my own vulnerabilities, a lot of the things that I guess a lot of people can relate to in this world, just through a different lens. And so doing that actually liberated me in a lot of ways from some of the mistakes that I made when I had that mask on and it allowed me to become a better version of myself from here forward. So now I'm projecting into the future, not really thinking as much about the past, but I will say the mess in my message from my past is most definitely where the value and the worth is when it really comes down to it. I never saw it that way. I always looked at it like I was in a status place and I really made a mistake between the difference between status and worth. So um, when you do that, sometimes you can lead down the wrong path. And uh, I've been down the wrong path a couple of times. I'm not here to say that I was perfect in any means, uh, but the perception of what people thought that I was is really a lot different than the reality. So that's what I tried to bring out in my book. And this isn't some magic mic story. That's all I can say to that. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I figured that reference was going to have to come up at some point, which is, <laughs> is awesome. I'm glad that you did. So, you danced for 25 years. Crazily enough, yes, you are correct. From the age of 17 till 43. Wow. 17 till 43. And yeah. you talk about like literally the mask that you would have to wear. So, to go into that space to dance, like exotically dance. Yeah. Just tell me, like, I just want to share with the audience, like, what did you have to go through in order to be in that space? Like, what did, what was the mask you had to wear? Well, it's not really as much as, like, I guess all I can say to it is, is that when you're, I focused a lot on my exterior. That's obvious. I mean, you have to in that industry. It's yeah. just a no-brainer. That, that's yeah. mandatory. And it's also a game of comparison. And I was a bodybuilder at one time as well, trying to go pro in that arena. So there you go. Another big time comparison game, right? Huge. So it's just kind of one of those things where you're presenting something um, to the world that they want to see, right? But at the same time, when it came down to it, I wasn't actually allowing in or for that matter, projecting a lot of my my own inner stuff that basically should have been projected in a lot of my relationships or for that matter, in even my professional and personal relationships. And actually kind of came to found out, find out in the end, that was a lot with my own detriment. I couldn't point the finger at anyone else anymore. I couldn't say, oh, it was this person's fault that I struggled with emotional connection or it wasn't. I stopped using that finger pointing because that's what I did for a lot of years. Admittedly, I did this as a guy going mm -hmm. through divorce, going through addictions, going through a lot of stuff. Oh, it was everybody else's fault. It wasn't mine. I'm perfect. That's mm -hmm. a bunch of BS. So like when it comes down to it, when again, through this writing process, which took quite some time to a timeline, 25 years worth of memories plus, um, it really brought out a lot of, it connected those dots, I guess you could say. And through connecting those dots, it made me aware of where I made my mistakes, where other people made their mistakes. And, 
And I was able to authentically write without hurting anyone's feelings in the process, being family, being friends, or any of that. Like I was able to actually project that out in a way that I could say the truth, but at the same time, um, you know, just be aware that, that, that we're all not perfect, including myself. And I was a bad apple of good intent, just like the majority of people that I've talked about in my book as well. So um, I guess to really answer the question is, is that when it comes down to the difference between where I was before, where I am now is I've learned to address that, those inner issues, I guess you could say that and, and accept them and just be like, you know what, I'm okay with that. Like it was my past. I'm aware of it now. I'm good with it. And actually in a weird kind of way, sometimes I even laugh to myself about it. Oh, you know, wow, you actually were that guy instead of being so serious about it. Like, and, and I've just, I guess, like I said, it's just being better. I'm, nobody's going to be perfect. I can continuously roll on that, but it's just being progressively better. And just like I say, like I've learned a lot as far as, I guess you could say the, what we call the arc of intense energy, where it's like emotions tend to take over from your rational side sometimes. So when mm -hmm. I actually find that some of those emotions start to take over in a negative way, I actually have a way now through my systematic process that I'm able to actually go back and figure out, connect those dots and go, okay, why am I feeling this way right now? And that means, that means like every day, like, and I'm not saying I, I still struggle with these things, lack, I still struggle with, you know, lack of confidence sometimes, just like a lot of people do, but being aware I'm not on that slot machine of life anymore going, okay, I'm just going to accept what today gives me. Now I kind of can go, okay, I'm feeling disconnected. Why am I disconnected? Eh, it's probably because of one of my relationships is going sideways because my core value of relationships gives me a feeling of connection. So if I'm on the other side of that, I know it's probably a relationship, most likely yeah. it's caused. So I can kind of go back into that, right? That's what I train people to do, actually. No, I love it. The perspective, like the perspective is huge of what you're saying there. And one of the things you said so many things, but one of the things that hit me was like spending so many years presenting to the world what they wanted to see. And it's, I think that that is, is so powerful because, and so parallel to so many things, whether it's social media, whether it's like all this online, but we're not showing ourselves. And so then it's interesting because authenticity, which we're going to dive into in you and your story is it becomes a case where a lot of people think that, um, I'm not an expert of this because I've obviously lived the opposite, but it's not true because you have lived this way and you can recognize that you spent, you know, 25 years literally presenting an image to the world, but that wasn't really who you were. And so now I just want to dive into from there, what, how do you see authenticity and what does it mean to you? Well, First off, I'm going to back up a little bit on the expert thing there, because one thing that I've realized is, is that the imposter syndrome thing does tend to come out in all of us. Like I'm, I'm in a new realm right now. Like I'm designing courses. I'm doing, you know, a lot of different stuff to be able to help out men over 30 who struggle with all the stuff that I struggled with when I was about 30. So that, but that being said, am I an expert? Did I go to school? Am I a therapist? No, I'm not quite frankly. Um, uh, there's, there's a definite need for that for big T traumas out there. I'm not here to take anything away from all that, but there's five letters in expert that are actually in experience as well. And I've walked that freaking walk. So when it comes down to it, if there's somebody that's struggling with the same sort of things that I did that are very common, I feel that I'm not an expert, but I can definitely help that person to be able to not deal with some of those struggles. Now, as far as the whole authenticity side of things, that is something that, that is kind of a, I guess you could say there's a lot of different layers to that, right? Like there's, there's, to me, it's kind of like um, when I was presenting on stage, I was, yes, I was doing what I was able to do to be able to maybe make somebody emotionally, um, you know, give me something back 
from the audience. So that's one thing I always love to do was extract emotion out of people in the audience, whether it was laughing, whether it was crying, whether it was, you know, just screaming, take it off and having a blast. A Mm -hmm. lot of people think, oh yeah, this guy was just out there doing this because he was trying to get the women and he was all about the money. Yeah, there was an element of that. I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, what really fed my fire, what kept me in there for 25 years was, is I loved, loved, loved getting that emotion out of the crowd. So was I being authentic in the role I was playing on stage? No. But where I was being authentic was when I was actually designing some of the shows that I created that actually brought me to where I was. And usually the shows that I was bringing it out of my true personal pain, I was, it, it was something that maybe I'd split up with a girlfriend. Maybe I was going through some really, really deep, dark, hard times. I wasn't the kind of dancer that was out there doing the YMCA every night, right? Like, I, I love that every once in a while. It was good to get a few tips and do the YMCA. I get that. Yep. I did it a few times. But my, my real shows, the real ones that brought me to where I was as far as winning contests and winning Mr. New Western Canada and all these things that I did in my career, those were the shows that I actually created on my own from my heart. And mm-hmm. so when I'm talking now through authenticity, it's a little bit different. Now, when I'm talking about it, it's not from the exterior from being on that stage anymore. Now it's more like, okay, um, when I'm speaking to someone about maybe something that they've gone through in their past, maybe it's a core value that was maybe degraded in some way. And I can get in there and get in the weeds with them a little bit confidentially and say, okay, like, look, I'm going to show you a little bit of mine. You show me a little bit of yours. Okay. Not getting creepy, but I'm just saying, yeah. Like if, if I have revealed through my book, that's why it's literally called Revelations of a Male Exotic Dancer. I've revealed a lot of these vulnerable, um, really, when it comes down to it, hard to even comprehend moments in my life sometimes that 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 are really not easy to really say. Like, and it was really took a lot of courage to actually like even throw that down on paper. So opening that side of me up, I come come back to my clients and say, Hey, I want you to read chapter one of my book when I had the struggle between truth and perspective. And that my and show me a time in your life that you actually dealt with something similar based on a core value that you have. And I get them to actually write down those core values and the feelings mm. that they represent. So mm. they can go back and go, yeah, okay, now I've connected that dot. I can figure out, oh, okay, that was that struggle that I had. That was why that happened. And whether they do it again later in life is their own option, but at least being aware of why that happened can make them be a better person from there forward. So does that, does that give me the same goosebumps? No, the goosebumps that I got on stage were one thing from adrenaline, but the goosebumps that I get from seeing somebody actually have the benefit of learning what I'm teaching them and implementing it more importantly, that is amazing. Like when I can see somebody getting the actual results on the other end, so being authentic about it, that's what it's all about for me now. That's what gets me out of bed now, right? It's like, man, it's just, it's not about me anymore because it always has been in my former career all about me. There was nobody else in the equation. Now it's about other people. So it's a big shift in the last few years. So yeah, that's, that's. Kind of oh, I love, I love this answer. There's again, there's things that you said there that really hit, no, but it's, it's interesting because when people will say, well, I don't know how to grow my business and what do I do? And I'm like, okay, but. but how is it about somebody else? How can you make it about somebody else? And when you can start to see the reach that you can have and the impact you can have, and you can make it about helping someone else, then that gets you through times. Maybe you don't even feel like showing up. Like you don't feel, because when we make it about us, it gets really easy to stop. It just gets really easy to stop. Totally. But so easily, if it's just about you. But if you, the thing is, is that I even say this in my book, right? And I mean this, I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. Now I'm a single guy at 51, but at the same time, like what I actually say, especially in my last chapter where I'm kind of giving a little bit of a rant there at the end, I'm kind of saying, look, you have people depending on you. 
Like there, it's not about you. You may not even realize that you have people mm-hmm. depending on you. You might think that you're just this and using the just all the time in front of your name, but you aren't just this. You have value. You have worth. You know, it's just that I didn't even see the worth and the value that I had. Which I really didn't. I had people sitting there saying, Corey, oh my God, like why have you not written a book? I've heard all these stories. Like you're crazy not to write a book. And I should on myself for years on that one saying, yeah, I should, I should. But I never did because I was always like, oh, I was just a guy that took his clothes off for a living. Who wants to hear about any of that stuff until I actually got out of my normalized world? Because quite frankly, everybody in my normalized world that's known me all my life, maybe it's my family, maybe it's my friends, they maybe remember the kid that was, you know, doing something stupid, like picking a booger out of his nose at five years old. They remember, <laughs> they remember some stupid story yeah. from back then. They always picture you in that perspective. Whereas I go out into the not normalized world and I say, oh yeah, you know, this is what I did. This is what I'm doing. They're like, oh my God, like, tell me more, please. So that's where I kind of was like, oh, okay, now I see it. I get it. Right. So it's mm-hmm. not through an element of egotism anymore. It really truly isn't. It's just more so I just want to leverage those, those, those things that I dealt with. And I'm talking everything from, you know, believe it or not, from drug dealing to drug addiction, to sex addiction, to, to heavy, heavy divorce, to almost losing my wife. She, within the first year that we were together, she almost died of a drug overdose. It was no fault of her own. She had somebody give her the stuff in her drink and she almost killed her. So oh like that gosh, was like, and it was terrible. literally like right in front of my face, like she was touch and go. Right. So I'm not saying that, that, that everybody deals with that sort of stuff, but when you're, when I can tell somebody that real story now, not that experience, when I can tell that to a kid, that's maybe like 18 years old, that's thinking, eh, I might try this out or I might decide to, you know, get a little bit crazy. I'm like, okay, go ahead, go have your fun, try things out. But man, when you start getting out of that moderation role, you start getting into a position where you're starting to rely on that sort of stuff, or you're getting into places where you don't need to be, guess what? That environment that you're putting yourself into very well could be to your detriment to the point where you may never come home. Mm-hmm. And that's a reality, especially in this world we're living in right now, right? So I'm not the square saying, don't do this and don't do that. I'd be hypocritical saying that. I've done a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but walking that walk, I have very, very few regrets in this life. But I'll tell you, even just going back to that moment where I had that situation with my ex-wife and she got dosed with a drug called GHB, which is basically yeah. a date rape drug where they just throw it in your drink. And you don't even know. No. Well, when I look back at that moment after I wrote that chapter and I hadn't talked to my ex-wife for 15 years, we had a pretty bitter divorce and we only talked maybe three times. Now, now we're pretty good. <laughs> but when it came down to it, we actually went through that chapter and I read it to her and no lie. Like I had to have my water bottle beside me because like the tears were flowing down my face. I could barely get the words out. And that was 15 years after the actual event or actually almost 20 years after the actual event. And it still hit her just as hard on the other end, right? She didn't even know what had happened to her because she wasn't even in this world at that time. She was off in la la land. So it's just like I said, like learn the hard way or learn the easy way. I'd rather like have somebody actually walk through my experience, paint that picture of it for them. So they can actually maybe make that decision before they decide to put themselves in that environment or maybe. I appreciate you sharing so many details there, because I think that being cognizant of when you step into certain environments, certain things like it's, I love what you said there is, is once you get out of the moderation area, like once you get out of the normalization, yeah, it's, yeah, you have to start to recognize this. This has been, um, it's definitely not the first time it's been talked about on the show. And I think it is still something that is a factor is the sense that being cognizant of like what we're using, what that is and how we want to live our life. Right. So 
whether it is a legal substance, but you still need it four times a day to function is still an issue. It's still an issue. And I think this is something that, I mean, I've been firsthand experience. I've had um, other parents involved here on the show. It's something that is not talked about enough. And if you need something to make it through the days, then sometimes you have to step back and look. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I have a weird out, well, not a weird outlook, but a different outlook because I was raised by my grandparents. Like I was born back in 1970, back in an era where that was kind of normal. Like a lot of people obviously did that back then. Not so common anymore, but like being raised from a depression era family, having an old school mindset. My dad threw a lot of morality and integrity into me when we went for our walks down the street back in the day when you could actually like, you know, kind of like live life in a way that you appreciated the little things a lot more. Yeah. And so when I kind of, had those conversations with him as many things that, that he had so so many amazing like really i guess you could say like lessons that he taught me that got me out of situations just by those words that embedded I'll, I'll forever be grateful for him because he actually saved my life in two different situations that i clarify in my book and i mean literally saved my life if it wasn't for those words i might not be here right now he went to his grave never knowing that unfortunately but mm-hmm. when i can say that what i can say is is that he also had his faults and Something that I realized through this process as well was that although I loved my father and my mother, my grandparents, with all my heart, and I would never change anything about them or my past with them, like there's certain things you, you would maybe change, but what I'm getting at is, is that what I had is what I had, and I'm grateful for what I had. But on the other side of that was is that I went through life very emotionally disconnected because I was in a situation where my grandfather was a military man. So he was basically programmed to not show emotion. He had a lot of mental health issues from being raised in the depression and error that we could not even comprehend what I was like going through. And so when it comes down to it, he had those things embedded into him. And let's face it, those things were not really addressed back in that era. Like you didn't really necessarily go to a therapist and go talk about that sort of stuff. It just didn't happen. So was there love yous and honeys and sweeties and all that stuff in my household? No, none, not a stitch. Now, am I crying a river about it? No, as well, because it was more so being aware of that and going, okay, I can still love this person and Mm -hmm. still address the fact that they had their faults too and be okay with that and do that so that I can break that cycle and be better in the future. So I can be emotionally connected now. And I found that, and that was the most liberating bloody thing that I've ever had happen in my entire life. And I took a different road to find it when I was a dancer. Originally, I tried to find it through drugs and I did find it for a little while. And I had a lot of fun finding those emotional connections, but it didn't bring me to where I wanted to be. Now that I'm in my realistic undrug hazed accountable and really responsible reality at this age i look back at that now and go okay (laughs) i get it now i'm good with that now and actually i can reach that higher state of consciousness with my partners professionally and personally i'm not looking up at them from my pedestal or from up at them on their pedestal or down them from mine now i'm looking them in the eye trying to actually understand them, which is people don't do a lot these days, unfortunately, because we're always trying to be right. We always have this one thing or the other, can't have any in between. And that's the thing that I'm trying to break that cycle now in my circle, circle that I can control. I'm like reaching across that aisle and going, hey, I don't agree with you necessarily. And I'm okay with that. And you should be too. What Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get is into your head for a few minutes. So I can understand that lens you're looking through because you were born and raised in a different place. You were born in a different ideology than I was politically and religiously. And that's okay. 
I don't, I'm not here to even say you're wrong. What I'm trying to do is understand you so we can get there and then I can move on to the next thing so we can continue our relationship in a good way instead of just so just divided. It's just like, it feels like this world's been so much that way for so long. And yeah, kind of more about unity these days and trying to do my best, my own, the best thing that I can do personally, I can't control the world. No, 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 no. And I appreciate you saying that because especially I would say like, obviously in the last couple of years, especially the division, the feel of the division has been huge. And, you know, it's, if there is a difference of opinion, everything becomes amplified and it's, it's such a a harsh thing to do. So I appreciate you mentioning the fact that like we can have room where people do have different opinions and that's okay too. Yeah. Misery loves company though. People just love to talk about negativity. Just love to like, and in fact, right down to my grandmother that raised me, she loved talking about negativity. She loved it. She'd be, her, her face was in the national Enquirer all the time telling me about all the stuff, the negative stuff going on in the world. She did, you know, just, they, they, but at the same time, like, I don't know, I just don't camp there because it doesn't serve me in any way. You know, I, I don't choose to, and that's how it's, it's very, very much. I actually, I, sometimes I know my family will get frustrated with me because they'll say things that I'm like, okay, is that actually a really problem or is it? Cause I don't think it is like most people, most people would pray to have that problem. It's not a problem. So it's, it's just a different perspective. And I appreciate you saying that and sharing that. Uh, thanks. You know, and that's just another thing too. Like back in the day, even when somebody would say something like that to me, I'd be like, hmm. and I wouldn't even know how to respond to someone. Now I just say, thank you and accept it. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go get a coffee and somebody buys you a coffee and this kind of goes with law of attraction stuff. But, you know, I used to be the guy that would be like, oh no, 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 it's okay. I got it. You know, and I wouldn't accept it. I wouldn't even say, I'd be like, you know, being proud and all that. Right. Pride, seven deadly sin. But I'm just saying like, now that I say, oh, thank you for that coffee. And I accept it. I accept that abundance and I get more coming at me. And I actually document that abundance, right? And I take that into my own head and project more. And I'm getting into the hippy dippy stuff, but I project more of a positive vibe throughout mm-hmm. my area that I can control myself. Don't worry mm-hmm. about the rest of the crap out there mm-hmm. and just basically do what I can to, like I said, improve my quality of life and be able to improve the quality of life of others around me because they depend on me. I understand mm-hmm. that now. They do. I don't even know who they are right now. Like, that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know who they are. They're out no. there. No, you don't. And I think this is like, we're going to lead into this part of the conversation because as you continue to show up authentically to help others, it opens up doors for people where all of a sudden you connect with people. And I, I'm like, I love speaking on vulnerability because I think it's an incredibly powerful way to connect with people. And it, it it's really scary for a lot of people. I know that it's really scary. It's a very scary word for a lot of people. But before I go to vulnerability, I want to ask you, where was there a turning point where you went, okay, I think I've learned like, like everything that has been part of my identity for the past 25 years is now, I think that's, it's like that chapter is closing. I think I'm being called to something more. Where was there a turning point for you? Yeah. It was, um, it was a couple turning points. It really breaks down to, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick and tired of being in positions where I was always in a power struggle in my relationships. And I actually got to the point where like, yes, I went through a pretty heavy divorce and I went on about a seven year Forrest Gump walk after that, trying to figure out all the things that I did wrong and trying to be Mr. Fix it and all that stuff, which I could have probably trimmed that down by about six or six years or so if I had done things the right way, but can't look back on it like that. But what I'm getting at is, is that when I, when I look back at, at a lot of the struggles that I had, and I wrote about this in my, my book is based on a lot of the relationships that I had in my past. 
I realized that I was projecting off a lot of negativity at times. I was really, in a lot of ways, like straying from those core values. In some ways, the emotional disconnection came into play. These are all things I was not willing to address. So my book writing was actually quite a bit of a therapy process of like awareness in its own way. Of course, also have an amazing publishing company, Daring to Share Global, out in uh, Kingston, Ontario. And Diana Ryers, my trainer, was just like, she really coached me through this process to really help me to be more aware and not only just be a, a better author, but just be a better person, right? So when I got I got really addicted to that. Like, that was a new addiction for me where I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I really want to kind of try to figure that stuff out. So when I connected those dots, right, that was when it was like, okay, now I'm putting out something that is more than just the stripper stories of my past that I originally started writing many, many, many moons ago. When I finished the, the actual, like the meat and potatoes, the storyline of my book, I was like, it's just not enough. There's just not enough here. I need to make more of an impact. So what happened was this, I had in those original stories, I had a lot of stuff in there that was very, very raunchy and pretty freaking hard for some people to be able to read because it's not necessarily what you, some people don't understand what it's like behind that velvet rope. They just don't get it. There's a massive difference even between a male dancer in Canada and the U S massive people don't get that. They don't have a clue. So, but some of that stuff isn't exactly stuff that I would want my grandparents back of that era to read, although they were so supportive of it, meant something to me that they retained that, that image, that, that the kid that they raised, I still wanted them to be proud of that kid, no matter what, till the day they died. Now, when my dad passed away a little over two years ago now, um, yes, the book was already written, but not released. And that was when I decided, okay, now I'm going to go ahead and I'm gonna really work on this thing and make it something bigger than, than it is right now. So that's, that's kind of how that all developed. Now I'm just in the next phase of it going, okay, now that I'm on the other side of all this, then I'm actually like still working on things, but I'm on the other side of it. Now I can start impacting other people because it's just, it's something that it's just been such a bloody game changer for me in my own life that I feel like I'm almost obligated to do this for other people, especially men. Like, because men, there's a reason why three out of four suicides right now are men in Canada, really being straight up about that. You know, there's a, there's, there's a really, you know, hard, that's a hard statistic to be able to actually even grasp. But at the same time, and don't get me wrong when I say this, women have just as many or worse stresses and things in their life as men. But I'm just saying for men in particular, we carry a lot of this weight and that's why take it off is called take it off, taking off those layers of that weight. It's like literally removing it because there's a whole thing about man up. You can't cry. You got to be the hunter gatherer, all those things, right? You got to have all that stuff, man up, buddy, all that stuff, right? We've had it marketed to us right from top gun on down, right? Just like marketed, marketed, marketed us. On top of that, now we're in a politically correct society that you can't even, you don't even know how to really even be a man anymore. Like if I go up to somebody and I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to go out on a date with some girl right now, I got to walk on eggshells the way that I say it. I say one word the wrong way. Oh my God. Like just ridiculed. I mean, especially if it got online or something like that, then it's a whole other ball of wax. Right. So it's like guys are walking on eggshells out there going, well, can I even say or do this anymore? Right. People can't take a joke anymore. Like it's just so gotten so harsh with all that. Just and I'm, I'm trying to kind of, again, balance that out and trying to be a man, but at the same time, be very connected with the feminine side of things and balance that out as well. So I can be a better version of myself. So I can actually express those emotions. It's okay to freaking cry. If you got to freaking do it, especially when things get really tough, I'm not saying you 
you drop your fork on the ground in the kitchen and you ball your eyes out. I'm saying, I know. you know, the real stuff, right? When it gets down to the nitty gritty, right? And if you don't do that, if you don't release those emotions, the arc of intense energy just continues to build and build. And before that thing gets to a 10 on a volume scale of one to 10, maybe you might want to actually attack that when it's down at about a two or a three and get it out before it gets there and you do something completely and totally inauthentic. Because guess what? My grandfather was the one that did that all the time. Yeah, right. there's, oh, wow. There's so many things that you're saying right now, because first off, I want to address that you said like three out of four suicides in Canada, men. 75%. And no, and I, I think that, um, and I could, I could be wrong. I want you to share your opinion and thoughts. I've seen maybe because I've been part of like so much of the personal development and growth space for women there's conferences everywhere. There's things to go to. There's lots of opportunity. I will never forget. I think it was 2018. I heard Lewis house speak. It was at a women's Mm. conference. It was 600 of us. And he was the only male there and he spoke and he, his message just hit me like, uh, it just hit me so hard. And he said, you know, it's amazing that there's all of these spaces and environments for women to come to, but we're leaving men and boys behind. We are hundred percent leaving them behind. And so at the very least, if you are a mom, your job is to understand that you're even leading with your kids, with your sons. Oh, and I just, it just hit me, especially because at that point we were still really like really dealing with what was going on with our kids. And honestly, it hit me and I thought, oh my gosh, isn't that true? So I, I think one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to connect with you is because I think that we need more men openly speaking and people say, but men aren't always open to it. I'm like, no, I think they're waiting for other men to go first to hear that this is okay to talk about it. But the thing is, Marcia, is, is that women are naturally just gifted with this ability to be like, you know, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? You know, and I've always admired that, like in a weird, odd way, right? Whereas guys are just like, want to go have a beer and hang out and, you know, we'll maybe go do some fishing or something and sit there and, you know, like it's just not, it's just something that's not always there. Yeah, it's just not the same. Like they don't, Mm -hmm. some guys are different than others, right? Like everybody's different. I'm not saying that, that all guys are that way, but I'm just saying there's a stereotype. It's a, it's a tough egg to crack sometimes. And, and so for me, I just, I can, again, come back to only what I can control, right? But for myself, I can only control what what I can do from here forward, not what I did yesterday. And I did make my mistakes. Now, the interesting thing about that, though, is is through making those mistakes and then going back to some of those people from my past that I was being inauthentic with, Mm -hmm. that was really cool. Because what happened was by going, okay, yeah, you know, here's a good example. I'll just throw this one out there. My ex-wife and I, we split up because... There was m- many reasons. I was basically a guy that that really I was working on the road, doing things, and most most people would assume out there they think, oh yeah, how could you ever be married to a dancer and expect them to be, you know? How could you ever even think that that person would be faithful to you? How could you even? Well, she was actually really good with it because she loved my exciting creativity side that really exuded a lot of char- char- you know just charisma, charisma, and just I was always kind of like just having fun, and she loved that. She met the entertainer, she loved it. But then what happened was is later on in our marriage, well, guess what? I ended up getting out of the industry for a little while. And unfortunately, what happened was I lost that element of creativity, which was one of my mm-hmm. core values. So I took away from the feeling of excitement in my life, degrading that, and I changed as a person. 
So mm-hmm. she was the one in the end that actually strayed from me to be, to be completely honest. And I pointed that finger and blamed her for so many years. But the bottom line was, is, well, there was took two to tango there. And, you know, when it really came down to it, when I came back to her years, 15 years later and said, you know what, I connected those dots and I don't want you to be able to, to be holding this on your head anymore. I know you have, I don't want you to ever apologize to me for this, the past anymore. Like, please just move on with your life and please live a more authentic life and be you enjoy your life. And actually like, just get out there and, and do what you got to do to, to make this happen for yourself. Cause honestly, you know, you can try to live for everybody else and try to live through other people's bodies and do all that stuff, but it's not going to really, you're not going to live a, a quality life, not the life that you really truly want. So I encourage you to do that. And when I connected those dots, oddly enough, projecting that changed me from a person that she looked out, looked at as like a negative in her life to a role model. And she actually did literally go her own authentic route and changed a lot of things in her life since that conversation. I'm very proud of her for doing that. But it takes somebody willing. You have to be willing to do it. You can't just squeeze a square through a circle and say, you need to do this. No. It doesn't work like that. It just no. doesn't. So I had to lead by example. And that's what I see as a when I look at it like leadership in general, I'm like, it's not a matter of telling people what to do. It's a matter of understanding other people, getting their feedback and gently guiding them in the right direction and leading by example. Right. So mm-hmm. that was just that's kind of my layout. But what you were saying earlier about words and parents and stuff. Quite frankly, my grandmother, I'll never forget the day she told me, oh, Corey, I was like, I was eight years old or something. She looked at me in the eyes and said, you're a follower. You're not a leader. She said it to me straight to my face. I'll never forget the look on her face. And she said, it's stone cold at me. And I took that in and I believed it wholeheartedly. And it held me back from going for a lot of leadership roles in my life. People said, oh, you should do this. No, I'm not that guy. You know, and I just kind of pushed my, pushed my own self down by just those words of one person so many years ago but then when i actually connected those dots and went okay when was my grandfather or my grandmother a leader what 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 they actually what, what i just said as an example of leadership when did they actually run with that when did they actually do that and i can only come up with a couple of times so the realization that i had was is when she was looking at that little eight-year-old kid and saying those words, she wasn't saying those words that eight-year-old kid. She was talking about herself. And that was the hard reality, right? So do I love her? Absolutely. I'll always love her. But at the same time, she had her faults just like anybody else does because we don't come with freaking manuals. And we've all heard that a million times before. Oh, right? I, I've used those words. Like, I don't know how many times I, when I talk about parenting, I say, do I, did I make mistakes? hundred percent that you didn't sure. come with a manual. And even if you did, there was no manual for what we had to live through. There was no manual. No. But I love that you said that. And I think this is that piece that having that perspective to be able to understand that when people share their opinions or fears with you or thoughts, that it's always the mirror, right? They're reflecting and seeing themselves back. And it's when I decided to write in my own book, I would love to say that I had incredible amounts of support from people in my life. And that is not true because they were scared. They were scared of what I was going to say. Like it was going to be this tell all of everything, but it was a very vulnerable story about me and how I had to learn and grow and change. But the fear, like if I would have listened to that, I wouldn't even be here right now doing this because it, it, it was very much, there are times that you have to put the blinders on go, but I know what I'm doing. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know that my intentions are good of why I want to do it. 
you can't let someone else's fear and projected fear step in, but we grew up in the same time. I'm going to say this for a second. Yeah. That we, we grew up in the same time. It's like, you do not air any dirty laundry. You do not say you're struggling. You do not share those things. Yeah. You bury them. You put your smile on it and you move on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And the big, you just said the one big word is support, right? Like, it's interesting. Cause I was always that guy too. Like I was looked at them. So I think to myself, why is it that the people in my inner circle or even my family members, why are they not supporting me? They should be really supporting me. I'm doing something that I love. And I'm, this is something, a bucket list thing. They should support me. And then I kind of, it kind of dawned on me and I was like, well, there's probably a few reasons for that. Basically, they may not even think that their support is even worth voicing in the first place. Maybe they think that, you know, there, there could be so many different angles that come from that. Maybe they just look at me through the eyes of normalization again. And that's okay too. You know, like mm-hmm. they, they get that perspective and they, that's just what's that's embedded there. And that's fine. But in the end, their support really is appreciated, but it's not necessary. It's just not like if you're really, really, really that strongly willed about your dream and you really believe in what you're doing, all the likes and loves and angries and sads and all those emojis that are on Facebook, no, don't make it down. They really don't like, and, and when it comes down to your inner circle or all the rest of it, if somebody doesn't believe in you or support you, well, you know, enjoy your life and do what you got to do. I don't need you throwing your limiting beliefs on me. But at the same time, I'm, I, I don't really need the support because there's a bazillion other people out there in this world that will. It's just a matter of getting in front of the right people. And that's, what I, that's why I'm constantly doing podcasts and everything else, because I'm just trying, honestly, to get in front of the right people to show them what I can do, right? Because, like I say, my book's not for everyone. But if you want to be entertained, yeah, there's an element to that. If you want to be inspired, yeah, there's an element to that. If you want to be educated, there sure as hell is an element to that. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things that I know I've got, a, I know I do have a good thing and I'm, I'm probably more passionate and actually feel better about what I've done in this book than anything I did over my entire 25 year career in the dance industry. And I did a lot of amazing stuff in my dance industry or career as well. So I'm not downgrading that, but this mm-hmm. is, this is more important. This is something that'll leave a legacy in my eyes. So. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And since you have referenced it a few times, can you tell us the name of your book? And yeah. what, who is it for? Yeah, I can't help but reference it because it's just my whole life right now. Yeah. I'm a little addicted to plugging, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's called Take It Off, Revelations of a Male Exotic Dancer. Um, like I say, you know, it's one of those things that is this is the story. But the cool thing about the book is, is that it really highlights the pillars of my core values, the struggles that I had with those. And it's literally written out on every page. So it's reminded of the reader, which core value is being compromised in each chapter. And at the end of each chapter, there is the naked truth that is revealed. That is actually something that I added onto every chapter that is from that undrug haze reality of where I am right now in life. And that is really, really cool to be able to actually go back. Cause that's where the lessons being really shown. Right. So um, that was, yeah, like, like I say that, the 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 book thing is important to me but at the same time now it's it's using that more as a launch pad for my for my career into coaching and into basically even into public speaking and podcasting as well right like i really want to get the message out in a, in a bunch of different ways and the person that it really applies to mainly is, is like i said the 30 year old guy that struggles with lack or 30 or above i should say struggles with lack unworthiness um, and most importantly emotional disconnection and that's the biggest one for me is emotional disconnection because I just suffered with it. I struggled with it so hard. It was like a disease inside of me for so long. And I call disease disease. So it's a disease that was inside my body that I actually was able to, you know, in my own weird way, I was able to suck that poison out and change my whole perspective on where I'm going from here forward instead of where I was before. 
Thank you for sharing that. And as you said this, there was something that connected or hit for me when you talk about the emotional disconnection. How can you become more connected to yourself emotionally? Yeah. Yeah. It's really, for me, it comes down, there's a, there's a systematic thing that I do in my tra- in my training and in my course. And really it's in, I'd say it's in the third, second and third chapters of, or I should say sections of my course. Um, basically it comes down to being not only just aware of your core values, but literally writing them down and putting them in a place that you see them every single freaking day. And I know a lot of people don't, they're probably going, oh yeah, sure. But when I do that and I do have mine right in front of me right now, and then I also have the, the feelings that are connected to them. So as an example, integrity gives me the feeling of confidence. Unity gives me the feeling of ease. Protection gives me the feeling of safety so on, so on, so on. So I have like eight or nine core values that I've written out, right? But then can you actually like be aware of that through your day? Like what I mean by that is, is if you get into a situation where maybe somebody cut you off and you got road rage, for example, is it really about the guy that cut you off or is it about something else going on in your life? I would give about a 99.99% chance that it's probably something else going on in your life. So how do you connect that dot? Well, if you've got like eight or nine core values and you're trying to figure it out and find that needle in the haystack, that's a little bit hard. Mm-hmm. But if you actually have what we call the inner purpose feeling created by my friend, Diana, basically what that is, is, is taking all those feelings, whether it's eight, 10, whatever it is, and making one word that represents all those feelings. So for me, my inner purpose feeling word is harmony. If I'm in harmony with everything, that means that I'm actually in a perfect state of basically alignment, authenticity wise, I'm completely perfectly aligned. Now that's impossible to happen because it just doesn't work that way. But the most important part of that isn't the having the feeling of harmony. It's the opposite. So if I'm in a state of chaos, dissonance, whatever it might be, I'm on the other side of the equation. And, I'm, and then now I know I'm really in not a, good, I'm not a good space. Now I need to go and do something that's actually going to take me out of that space. So do I maybe, and I know a lot of people say this in the industry, but maybe I have to go walk in nature. Maybe I have to go out and just disconnect for a little while. Just maybe I have to go lay in my hot tub for a while and just get out of the headspace that I'm in and reset on a day that I used to sit there and let it just continuously fester. Mm -hmm. And just, I can't tell you how many days I've had, Marjorie, where I woke up in the morning and went, oh, I wish I could just go back to sleep and reset this day over again because everything's going wrong. Nobody has a smile on their face. It's just going really crappy. I just want to start over again. I've said that so many times, right? But now I actually have a way instead of resetting that day to just reset the hour and mm-hmm. just go and get away from it, you know? And it's really weird the way that it all works because I've had this happen literally where one day you go to the store, and the lady that you're checking out with, she's got the frown on her face, everybody in lines frowning, sitting there waiting to get out of the lineup and pissed off and frustrated at the guy buying lotto tickets or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then the next day you go back to the exact same place. And everybody's in a good mood and they're all smiling and you're sitting there going, well, what was the shift? Right. So a lot of the time it's the shift is actually within us. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it really is within us. Right. So I really kind of believe in that as hippy dippy as it is. I, I really do believe in that. And I, I stick with it and it works pretty darn good. So, you know, that's just, it's, <laughs> yeah, not hippy dippy. I think it's actually really good because I think that's taking like full responsibility for ourselves. 
And I appreciate you sharing that piece when a lot of the times with my own coaching, one of the first things we start with is our core values and people like it's, you say core values and you do get the eye roll and it's like, sure. oh, I'm like, but if you don't know who you are and what's important to you, then it gets really hard to say yes and no to, and mine around my wall too. And when I sit there frustrated with where things are at, or I'm, I'm in, in a state of frustration, I literally will look up and I'm like, what of those am I not doing right now or not living? And all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, majority of them, majority of them. Like, no wonder I'm feeling this way. But even more so, you know, like throw another accent onto that for you. Think about your relationships, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not, if, if you, we've all heard of the love language thing, right? Like, yeah. it's like, okay, um, how does my partner love, how do they like to have love expressed to them? Is it through gifts? Is it through getting the kiss on the neck randomly for no reason? Like, what is it that love means? Okay, it's different for me than it is for you. Now, if I'm just going by the slot machine of life in my relationship and going, I'm just going to give her the love that I think is love. If she doesn't see it that way. No. We're not connecting, right? Well, it's kind of the same thing with this stuff too. If I have a partner that's willing to go there, which is which I'm working on right now, it's hard to find a partner that's willing to go here, but I'm just saying it's actually willing to go, okay, these are my feelings. These are the mean a lot to me value wise. If I'm aware of those things, now I am actually connected with my partner. I'm not just communicating with her. I'm not doing the hi, honey, I'm home BS and when's food on the table, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm working as a team and that's where I feel like, you know, that's that higher state of consciousness, right? To me anyways. And it's more than just the physical. It's more than the sexual. It's that mm -hmm. actual, like, really like, hey, we're building something really cool here, you know? And when you hit that 50 year old mark, you get pretty hungry for it, especially when you've gone through a bunch of other crap that wasn't that. You know, so yes, I all of that and I understand. I mean, I have we will have been married 29 years this year. So I realize we are not the norm, but it has been many, many times of work to find that space. But we have this joke. And so it's I don't know how many times I poor guy, he can't hear me. Um <laughs> <laughs> laughing and I'm like, no, no, it's acts of service. Remember, it's acts of service. Like mm -hmm. that's important to me. That means just help, like just yeah. in, just do things and and but that's what's important to me. It's more important to me than gifts. It's actually just pitch in and be a team. And so we've had open conversations about it and it's been quite funny, but we're just being real because if you're not clear on what you're looking for, then you can't How do they angry know? at everyone else for not giving you what <laughs> that's you right. Want. We're all snowflakes. I don't care what anybody says. We want to put it out a political statement and say, oh, you're just a snowflake and you melt. Guess what, guys? We're all freaking snowflakes because we're all freaking different, every single one of us. And we all have mental health issues. And if you say you don't have mental health issues, you're Fine. freaking not trusted by me because everybody's <laughs> got them in one way or another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, it's just yeah. the truth massive differences in degrees of mental health. I mean, that's just obvious, of right? Course. But from the day that we're freaking born, we get mental health issues injected into us almost right from the freaking beginning, right? So it's kind of like, you know, the judgment that comes right away. Oh, it's a cute kid. Oh, it's not such a cute kid. Right away. Judgment as soon as you pop out, right? It's, it's always just, there. Yeah. But again, it comes back to one word over and over again, awareness, just awareness. You know, Lewis Howes, like you mentioned, Lewis, I've read his story. I know his story. I admire his story. He was vulnerable enough to really expose some of the stuff that a lot of people wouldn't be willing to do. And that yes. I relate to. I really do relate to that. Like I wasn't in that realm, but at the same time, like I was willing to turn around and say, Hey, I admit I controlled my ex-wife. Mm -hmm. That's a tough one. As a guy, I hated that. Just to admit that, like, because it was like, 
I never wanted to admit to controlling somebody, but she wanted control at that time. And I welcomed it and went, yep, I'm going to do that to our detriment in the end in a big way. Cause you never had her own life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, so again, you just look back and you go, yeah, that makes sense now. But in the moment, it didn't. Right. No. And I know I love and appreciate everything you're saying, because like I when I first heard Lewis speak that day, it, it hit me in a way that I was like, OK, I I appreciate how he is showing up and sharing. But you're also sharing it from a space of like being I this title of the show on your choices on your life. Like it's about ownership. And even the yeah. word ownership can, can trigger people. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, it, it can. I've actually had people say that to me. It's like, oh, that's a trigger word. I'm like, really? Because it's, I'm not asking you to own someone else. I'm asking you to, do you take ownership for your own choices? And that means that we make choices sometimes that we look back on and we're like, yeah, probably wouldn't make that one again if I had like more information. But at the time, that's the information that I had. And I, I really dance with that because yeah. it's easy for me to look back and go like, why would I have done it that way? And I'm like, well, because now I'm applying hindsight to something I didn't have 10 years ago. Yeah. Right. And I mean, when it comes down to, like I say, owning your stuff, um, when, it, you know, I, I admittedly didn't do that for many, many moons, right? Like I was always, like I said, pushing off blame and, and that is just a, such a slippery slope because you're never really growing. And so, you know, I, again, like I accept my faults in a big way. I, I appreciate progression. I love me some yoga now. I like getting into my own zone once a day and, you know, having that sanctuary. And I realize that it's just so bloody important to take that me time. Um, no matter whether you're somebody that has 10 kids or you don't have any kids and you don't have any wife, right. Or partner, it's just, you need to take that little bit of time. I hate to say what people need to do, but you really have for myself, I need to take that time, uh, to be able to reset myself. And, and I get some of my best ideas that way, really, you know, it's kind of funny. It's really odd. Like when you're in that, that zone of just kind of, you're not being distracted by anything else around. I always make sure that I have my ultimate distraction machine, the phone right beside me for that. So that when I'm not being distracted, I have that great idea. I throw my voice note on and I go, remember this. And I tell, I talk to myself into my second brain here to remember it. Cause it's just that good. Cause I'm going to forget it later on. Oh right? yeah. So so even if it's just going to bed, like just before you're sleeping, I keep my phone beside my bed. I know it's horrible to do, but I do that for that reason, because I'm going to forget it if I don't, you know, mm-hmm. if I go to sleep in the morning, I'm not going to remember it anymore. So always doing that, even in the shower, I'm like, oh, great idea. Okay. Voice note, you know, but it's just an interesting dynamic where, where, where I am now in my life. And it's just so contrasted to what I was before. And although, like I said, again, like I, when you talk about, you know, people having, you know, regrets or not having regrets, um, if I could turn back the hands of time, yeah, there's some things that I would change without a doubt. You know, I would definitely change it. Uh, I think that if somebody says that they don't have any regrets at all in life, I'm like, wow, you lived a fantasy. Um, you know, because I mean, I think we all do in a, in a certain way. Like I, I can go back and see a couple of big time butterfly moments that have butterfly effect moments that happen, but can't change them. So you can just learn from them, right? That's what it No. Means. And sometimes we have to look at them and think, okay, but, and I know it's hard is that I had to live through that time to be this person. Like I had to learn that because some of our most valuable learning and skills does not come from the personal development book that I've read. It comes from living it firsthand. So I wish I could learn things. There's times I wish I didn't have to learn it the way that I did, but I did. Well, it's just like you go to see Lewis House, right? Mm -hmm. You go see Lewis House, you take all the notes, you write them all in your notebook, pack it away go home, go back to living your normal life. What did you get out of it? Nothing. 
Mm-hmm. You actually take the notes and you start implementing and taking some uncomfortable action and doing the things that he actually said in the thing. Now you're actually getting something out of it, right? So mm-hmm. for me, I try to do that now, take those uncomfortable actions. And some of them haven't been easy, but a lot of the time when it comes to fears, it's all the anticipation, it's not the action, right? So it's like one of those things where, you know, even for myself, I stripped nude across all of Canada. I did shows in the US for like God knows how many years in the largest beach club in North America. People would think, oh, he's got all the confidence in the world. He's not scared of anything. Yeah, right. To get up and do public speaking at a breakfast event in front of 50 people and my knees are shaking underneath the table. I'm so friggin' freaked out, right? I have just as many fears as anybody else. I'm just as vulnerable as anybody else out there. I don't put myself on any pedestal anymore at all with that stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, but I did at one point. There was a point where I was like, yeah, pretty cocky, like sitting there going, oh, yeah, you know, this person's out of my life now. There'll be somebody else back next week wow, wish I could go back to those days for minutes, you know, because it's just like, but again, you're in the zone at that time and it's just where you're at in life at that time, right? It's just mm-hmm. changed for me now. So, but the one thing that I always say when it comes to the, you know, the, the tagline that I used in my book, and I always say this when it comes to the man enough stuff and guys and stuff, it's like, you know, if, if you're going to bottle it up and like I said, I just learned that lesson of seeing my own father who I really looked up to so much, bottle it up so many times and you know, inauthentically say things every once in a while. It really hurt some of the people around him. He didn't mean to. He had to go back and even apologize for it a couple of times, feeling bad about it. But like he would bottle it and bottle it and bottle it. And it was sad to see in a lot of ways because he couldn't, he couldn't, he just couldn't get there. And so I, my one thing I always say is just let the dam break before you dam break. Like just, you know, you got to go and just take it somewhere, take it somewhere. Do what you got to do, man. You're only human. Stop freaking Let the dam break before the dam breaks. Let the dam break before you dam break. You know, break. Just, yeah, yeah, don't break, man. Like, you know, because when you end up doing that, it's not serving anybody around you. People rely on you to be, be the real person, not the irrational person, right? Get that mm-hmm. freaking authenticity and that emotional intelligence that you have inside you synchronized. Make sure that you actually do that because, like, you know, emotional intelligence is really important in my eyes anyways, and being aware of that, right? Because when you get on that arc, <laughs> and I keep coming back to that, but it's so bloody true, you know, it's so easy to do. It just really is. We are all, okay. it, it, it can be something as simple as just being triggered by, take, you take your dog for a walk and all of a sudden your dog's pulling too hard and you're like, you could sit there and beat the hell out of your dog over something that has nothing to do with the dog in the first place mm-hmm. is what I'm getting at. Like, it's just, it can be so many different levels of that, right? So I'm just, I, I, liking being aware of that now and not like i said not perfect to still get triggered just like anybody else but being aware of it helps me to bring that down from that volume of eight or nine into a lower volume that's all i'm saying right and i was learning right i was reflecting i was learning on yeah. yourself every single day yeah yeah right and so you know and again like like i say when i when i think about you know my former career I always get questions like, how'd you get into it? Or what did you, you know, what was the craziest story that you ever had? All that sort of stuff. And it's all in the book. Like there's, there's so many cool stories in there that are, that are really original and really funny. And for somebody, like I say, for myself, like it was just a different entry. I was never exploited. Like if you had that question asked me, did somebody exploit you at 17 years old to get you into this crazy industry? I was like, no, like I had a friend of mine that was a little older that introduced me to coming into the, the nightclub that he was working in. And all of a sudden I was a topless waiter on ladies night. They wanted me to come in and work because I had a good body, you know, and my parents as older as they were, they turned around and said, well, if the kid doesn't get screwed up on drugs and he keeps his grades up, let him fill his boots. As long as he gets into class the next day, let it happen. And so he, they did, they trusted me and I trusted them and I didn't break the agreement and graduated, you know, but I did just what everybody else kind of did at that time. Just that I was out working ladies nights. 
Mm-hmm. Even I even was a bouncer for a little while working on Friday and Saturday nights. I deemed people at the door when I was underage at 18 years old, like standing next to the cops going, Hey, how's your night going? You know, like just crazy stuff, right? Like, you know, people like, who does that? Well, yeah, I do, you know, but <laughs> it's just, but, it, but on the other side of it, you know, my old man was so cool. Like, he was a construction worker and he even helped me design some, some sets and stuff for shows. Wow. Helped me make a shower show and, you know, like, like just crazy stuff that he was like, Oh yeah, the kid loves what he does. Like, let him do it, you know? and really cool to have somebody of that generation actually support that in his own way right yes I can say that actually I think that is pretty powerful for that generation to have that kind of support in that and it's interesting because and this is a big generalization but I think of that generation because that was my generation in a sense that our parents necessarily like my parents were not attached to what I did for a living they wanted me to do well etc um And I see a lot, like my kids are 24 and 23 now, a lot of people that I know, and I can speak firsthand, very attached to how successful their kids are. Very much a reflection of that. I didn't see with my parents. Maybe they felt it, but I didn't see it. And they just wanted me to be able to. And it's funny because somebody asked me that a little while ago and they're like, how, like, you know, with your kids, et cetera. And I'm like, I, you know what? I think there comes a point where it's like, if they're healthy and happy and they are doing things that they love. Honestly, I'm thrilled. Honestly, I am thrilled. I, I I really am thrilled. And I I can see the difference. So it wasn't until you said that that it made me think like when I grew up, my parents weren't attached to what I was going to do as a living. They wanted right. independence was definitely something that was pushed early, very sure. much pushed early. Like it was like, you know, you want to you want to be able to buy yourself clothes to go back to school. You better get a job. I'm like, I'm 13. I don't know what to do. And like, go find a job. And I remember literally going to places. Do you need anyone to wash dishes? Do you need anyone? To... <laughs> but but I, I know it's a different time. I know that. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. is interesting. It's just it's that independence was there from a different age. Well, what do you want to drive your kids to, right? Like, I mean, a good example is, is like I actually have another fellow author friend of mine that she's an amazing person. Um, just finished writing her book. As a matter of fact, it's coming out in April, but, um, for herself, she was, uh, 31 years old. She suffered a massive stroke. She was blind for a little while. She was paralyzed for a little while. She came out of it and she still can only feel half of her body. What drove her there? Um, overworking stress, not taking care of herself the right way. Certain things, right? 31, right? She's 33 now. She's doing great. What I'm saying is, is, is that we get this pressure put on us like, oh, we have to do this. We have to do this. We have to keep up with the Joneses. We got to impress somebody else. All these things. Well, what ends up happening? You're putting your body in a state of dis-ease. Mm-hmm. And again, I come back to that dis-ease thing, right? So when you do that, you're, you, what are you work? What's it all for? Like, are you work, you're working yourself to an early grave or to maybe even a lower quality of life later on because you've gotten so bloody stressed out. You got a fat bank account, but you're half dead, mm-hmm. right? And I come back to, well, we talked about one or one particular influencer, so to speak, that's done really well as a Lewis House, but the one that I actually resonate with a lot, although I'm not of any particular religious or political ideology when I talk or write, um, Trent Shelton, somebody that I really look oh, up I love to Trent a Shelton. lot. And yeah. the one thing that Trent resonated with me the most that he said was like, he does a lot of things, but one thing that he said really hit home was, are you living for your birthday or are you living for your death day? Most people live for their birthday because they're always like, oh yeah, I'm a year older. I'm a year older. But there's a lot of people on this planet that don't focus on their death day. And a lot of those people are actually walking around right now dead. Like they're not, they're not physically, but they're walking around freaking dead, whether mm-hmm. it's health wise, whether it's just 
as a person not not wanting to explore or not wanting to continue to learn or whatever it might be, you're dying inside. And I I kind of at that point where I saw even my own grandparents, they, they got into their later, later years and they kind of gave up and, and they started withering away quicker and quicker because they started to lose that side of them. So mm-hmm. for I just kind of go, man, I don't want, I want to drain this gas tank right the hell out. Like on oh, my last day on this planet, I still want to be like, you know, at least something happening that I'm, I'm pushing into a positive direction. And, and, you know, because there's just been, to me, I don't know. I've just seen one too many people that I've admired, admired or adored and sat there and went, Oh my God, I thought that they had everything. Like I would have given anything to had one minute in their shoes to be up on that stage or whatever it might be. And, you know, then and all of a sudden they're passing away from drug addiction or they're passing away from suicide or whatever it might be because they don't understand what's going on inside their head. And I had many, many days where people didn't understand what was going on inside of my head. And they thought that I was all smiles. I was the freaking most fun guy out there in the life of the party. But then when the party went down, the lights were gone and I was back at home and we're back in my hotel room by myself looking for a real friend instead of all the people that just wanted a piece of me for whatever reason. I couldn't find it. Those were some dark times, especially when I was like, you know, under the influence of ecstasy or something. And I was on like, you know, on an emotional trip with that. I could have easily ended up in a bad, bad place really could have easily. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's just, again, you don't know what's happening in somebody else's mind. Never assume that. Never. No, no, you never know. You never have any idea. Um, As we're talking and starting to wrap up, like where's the best place (laughs) to find your book? Yeah, sorry, I could go on for days, Marcia. No, 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 don't apologize. So yeah, yeah, it's great. I always, I, I God, I could talk forever on the subject. No, but it's all good. Yeah, yeah, no, but the place to find the book actually right now is actually at uh, takeitoff.ca. It's as simple CA. as that. Just come to my website here in Canada. You get free shipping. Uh, just reducing the price of the book actually right now today. So uh, this is actually really good. Good timing. I'm bringing it down a couple dollars because, quite frankly, what it came down to was. Um, I found that although it's a very, it's a hundred thousand word book and it, it's worth the value, um, when you bring, you tack in the shipping and everything else, um, let's face it, people only want to pay so much for a book. So I'm trying to do that right now, bring the price of the book down, but here in the very near future, I'm packaging it together with, um, just the option to be able to take my video courses or for that matter, maybe even go into one-on-one if somebody wants to do that, I'm going to have options as well in the very near future for that to get, just to give more value, but the place to go for here in Canada is definitely takeitoff.ca. You'll get a signed copy. If you're in the States or near the UK, far better off just to go to Amazon. You'll save yourself a whole lot of money on the shipping. So I'm looking out for you guys, not for me. Um, save the money on the shipping. Might not be the signed copy, but you'll get the story and it's a good one to actually read for real. Oh. I've heard so many people looking at it, oh, I really want a good read. Oh, well, yeah, check this out. You're going to get a good read. You're probably going to get a couple laughs in there too. So yeah, it's pretty I cool. will definitely make sure it's all in the show notes. I yeah. just, I laugh because shipping, I've, I've shipped books for the last five years. And I mean, I like, I sure a lot of things have gone up, but shipping oh for, my God. in Same. Canada. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm, I'm taking the hit because we're, we're in a place right now where everything's going up in price due to gas and everything else right now. So I'm just trying to take the hit because quite frankly, it's not about the money. It's about getting it out there. I really, really need to get this out there into the right hands. Um, and you know what, pass it along, <laughs> you know, like wow. pass on that message. That's all I could say. Please pass on that message. It means yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, for anybody who is listening, I really encourage you to reach out to Corey because again, I think it's fantastic to have, to see and hear men talking about vulnerability 
sharing who you are, like be real, learning your core values. All of those things are so powerful to fully understand. And you're just continuing to give more and more permission for other people to be using this language, living this way. So I love it. Tell you what, if I could actually have it implemented into high school as a course in grade 12, that's what I would do. If I could wave a magic wand, I would bloody well do it because it, for women and for men, you need to be aware of that stuff. You, otherwise, you just again, this is a slot machine life you're going through. <laughs> I oh, just believe that. I really do. <laughs> isn't that the truth? I There's so many things. Um, no offense. I have a lot of friends who are teachers, but there's so many things that they learn. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? That is like uh, nothing nothing to do with anything. And I, especially I, I feel that I raised two boys. So I think I could just say this in the sense that a lot of school is not necessarily for built for how boys learn and what they do. And it's, it's tough. It's really tough for them, but yes, for girls and boys, I would love for them to learn more of these skills earlier. Ironically, I've had for all the reviews that I've had on Amazon so far, I think I've only had two that are from men and the rest of them are women. They're just saying, I need to get my man to read this book. It's funny, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's targeted towards that demographic, but it's definitely not just for men. No, I'm sure it's not. A lot of women are interested in those stories too. So, (laughs) well, here's the thing too. You said it earlier and I think it's, I think it's really good in the sense that, I mean, we can't, we can't expect, I'm going to say this. We can't expect like men to just be the ones to figure out the relationship and what we want. Like we have to be able to communicate that. That's not fair. That's not, that's not fair to them either. And trust me, there are times I will be like, Oh, that is not, I'm not proud of that behavior. (laughs) That was not, that was not my best behavior. And I own that. Like, I actually will say my bad. I'm so sorry. That is not my best behavior, but I do think to improve the relationship, it requires both sides to grow. Yeah. And also be bold, you know, be bold. I, I really say that. Like, what are we living for? Like get out there and be bold. Like, I'm, I've, I've been a podcast junkie for this last few months and I've met a lot of amazing people all over this world. And like I, through that process, if there's anything I've got from it, I've, I've made some amazing connections with amazing relationships and they're creating memories. And for me anyway, just from my perspective, anyway, life is all about creating amazing relationships and amazing memories. So mm-hmm. even if it's just through a bloody screen talking to you right now, I just created a great relationship and I just created an amazing memory. And so like, just add more on all the time and be bold. If you want to, you know, there's a reason why I have um, a comedian by the name of Trey Crowder on the back of my book that actually gave me um, a testimonial towards my book. It wasn't because I just randomly contacted him. I put myself in front of him. I went right out there and met him face to face at one of his shows and and talked to him and got a favor and he read my book. I mean, but if I didn't do that, if I, mm-hmm. it's just like anything you, you could play guitar like freaking Jimi hendrix in your basement all day keep playing in your basement you're not going to go anywhere you got to get it out there yeah. so it takes being bold and every time that i've been bold in this lifetime of mine it took a chance and yes i had the the, the adrenaline in me and all the rest of that stuff but it always worked out in the end to be a lot better than where i was the day before every single time and that means when i first stepped out on stage to be a male dancer right down to when I actually, like said, wrote this book and decided to get it out there. Every single time it ended up being to my benefit and not to my detriment. Straight up. Got to be real. But honestly, I love that. Thank you for sharing that and for sharing so much with us. Um, I loved, love this connection. And you're right. Like I, I, one of the things I am so grateful for is with the 
field of podcasting, the business of podcasting, I've met so many people from literally all over the world, like all over Mm. the world. It has been such an incredible experience to meet so many different people. And it always is a reminder that there's incredible people everywhere, right? It's everywhere. Sometimes it's people will stop and look in their circle and think like, I don't have anyone. I'm like, no, you got to get outside of that, that you have to find a way to get outside of that. I'll tell you, Marcia, I'm not going to lie. You know, even the last couple of weeks, I did an amazing, amazing podcast with a lovely lady in, down in uh, LA. And, you know, we both have pretty interesting pasts. I'm not going to deny it. Like a lot of people could really be judgmental and say, oh, you know, this guy was just a stripper. I could, I could just see it. You know, like you get, you get the stereotype. Every sure. time that I say I was a dancer, I get the same look on people's faces, whether it's males or females. Oh, what was it like? <laughs> I don't want to do it, but what was it like? And, and so it's kind of one of those things where, I even said to her when we started chatting a little bit and she's a sweetheart, um, we got a really good vibe. And all of a sudden, right after the podcast, I was like, you know, I just kind of said, yeah, I kind of want to stay connected with you and and chat with you because although you've had this insane past, it's even more colorful than mine. I said, you know, it's kind of a clean slate now, isn't it? It's not about what we did. It's kind of about where we are now and where we're wanting to go. And I get a really good vibe from you. Like we should stay connected and I'll be down. We are actually. And she's a really awesome person all the way around. So again, if I didn't go out there into this realm and start doing this stuff, I wouldn't be meeting these people and I'd be sitting here in my place and I love my dog and all, but you know, my dog only gets me so far. So it's just one of those things. If you want to live life, go live your freaking life. Go yeah. do it. It's only yeah. you that holds you back. I don't care what anybody says. And even money, the money thing. Yeah, I get it. The money thing. We all need to make it, but man, I've held myself back from so many things saying, Oh, well I'm just Corey. And Oh, I can't. Well, Justin can't are two of the worst freaking four letter words are. on this planet. There were way worse than all the other ones that are cuss words in my eyes. Oh, 100%. Can't is interesting because, and that's an aside, but can't isn't, can't, I 100% agree, but a lot of people don't talk about just. And I actually, yeah, it's a huge one. And I say it all the time. Like if I, if I listen to clients and I'm like, "Mm, you need to like, that that word is actually like, you're literally bringing yourself back down over and over and over. Like you don't even realize it. And the problem is with our own words I mean, I get passionate about this because mm-hmm. I, I actually am NLP certified and I do a lot of, like, I do a lot of hypnosis and what, but it's, cool. our words are incredibly powerful. Like they Ooh. literally create our life. And so when you say the words just over and over, you are minimizing yourself over and over and over and over again. And that's just, if we're doing it to ourselves, we're in a lot of trouble because. Well, could, could, could you imagine if the MC at one of my shows turned around and said, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to center stage. Just Corey Lane Hilton. Sorry. It wouldn't have worked out that well. I mean, we'd have dead silence. So I just got to laugh at it and go, yeah, right. Great like, context to put the word just in. I love that. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's just, and that's what I'm trying to say is, is there's, there's a side of what I do that I actually try to inject some comedy into. And even when it comes to, you know, helping other people out with the authenticity thing and it's other writers and it's just other people wanting to be better in general, not be the best, but just be better when it comes down to it. Like, that's why I say, just cross-reference it with my book, read this chapter, have a look at the crazy mayhem, look at the mess in the freaking message, have you a couple of laughs, know that I'm just as human as you are, and then throw your own stuff down there and get real with yourself. Not with anybody else, just get real mm-hmm. with yourself about it. Yeah. And then if, if you want to burn it later, burn it later. <laughs> but if you know, but if you really want to learn, throw it up somewhere where you're going to see it, and then you're going to be aware of it. Maybe even fall in love with it a little bit. Maybe. You know? Kyle, Maybe. Cease, Kyle Cease wrote an amazing book called The Illusion of Money. And in that book, he literally... Oh. 
pointed it right out. I have this fault. I love it. I love that about myself. And he just consistently says it over and over again. I really love the thing he said about vibes too, where it's like, get your average vibration. Did you, mm-hmm. did you catch that part? That was amazing where he was like, take all the things you're doing in your day and sort of one to 10 behind it. If you're taking your dog out for a walk, it's a six. Okay, write it down as a six. You're on social media, write it down as a three. Whatever it is that you're one to 10 scale, add them all up, get the average. That's your average vibration. Anything that you're doing that's below that on a daily basis, don't do that. Anything that's above it, go there. <laughs> Simple as that. I am so, I love, I'm so fascinated. Anybody who's listening to this, we've given you so many different resources to use. Um, Kyle Cease, what he's referring to is, is now he's actually one of my favorites, like one of my, one of my absolute favorites. So Kyle Cease, I listened to his first, uh, first book and audio book. I hope I don't screw this up. I have both so of them here <laughs> on audible. I think it's, I hope I don't screw this up on audible. It's hilarious because he's so funny mm-hmm. and I love that entertainment side. And then I've listened to um, the illusion of money probably two or three times. And that scale that he refers to, I had to stop. I literally, cause I walk my dog and I'm out with my audiobooks and I'm listening. And I'm like, Oh no, this one needs to be written down. Like this yeah. needs to be, this needs, and actually, wait, I need the hardcover of this book. Like I knew yeah. this one was like, no, I need this book. And I do it's have, I have book. both. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Like I say, I mean, I've got a stack of books here that still need to be read. I I, just, I keep, keep going through them trying. I'm like, oh, I need to get to this one. I need to get to this one. But yeah, I'm glad that I picked that one out as one of my tops because mm-hmm. that's, that's a definitely good one. So. Oh God, Marsh, yeah. I could be talking for days. Same, same, absolutely same. I love how we've dropped so many different um, nuggets. Okay, yeah, sure. so let me ask you, um, last question. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, <laughs> I am grateful. Actually, oddly enough, when I write my gratitude out, I try to write out at least five a day and I try to make them different every day if I can. I try my best to do that because I think it's good to be aware of it so you're not taking things for granted. But I am really actually grateful for a lot of the pain believe it or not i think a lot of the the struggles that i went through i'm really grateful for those struggles because there was such amazing learning experiences hidden behind them and so i always kind of think about the stand-up comic like kyle cease that'll walk out there and they put themselves in jeopardy of bombing every single time and some of them even look for the bomb the reason why they look for the bomb is because if they get really a bad response from a crowd, they have such a good learning experience from the mm-hmm. failure. So as a former bodybuilder that used to push himself to the word failure every single day in the gym, I went to failure for one and one reason only. I wanted to grow. And that was in a physical aspect when I was a bodybuilder. Now I want to go to failure in a different way so that I can grow from a mental aspect. So it's more that, yeah, I don't, I look back at, divorce or certain things that were really really painful in my life and i man i mean i shed some tears i was at the point like i said where i was ready to jump off the ledge at about 38 years old when i lost everything that i had and i mean everything that i had and living out of a bag in a different world i had to start over again and i'm glad that i did because i was stripped naked completely in a different way and that's a little eckhart tolle there right it's like stripped down naked to the point where you got nothing left except for the bloody shirt on your back if you're lucky if you're still okay with yourself and you can build from there you're in a good place mm-hmm. and that's where i really realized that no matter how crappy it got it there you still have a choice and i could have gone down the road of the easy road of maybe drugs or addiction or whatever and just put myself in that quote easy road to be detrimented later on or i could go ahead and 
just you know work on work on me and so i just kind of feel that that you know again the discipline the self-discipline to 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 work on yourself um is is infectious and if you if you do that and you lead by that example um you know other people resonate with that other people want that in their lives too they might not want to be you but they want to actually have that too so Mm -hmm. yeah that for me the thing that i'm most grateful for believe it or not is the pain (laughs) no honestly no i i really appreciate your honesty and the answer and i can say with you know probably 99 percent. i'm not joking the people who come to this space where we're interviewing and we're talking in this podcast, we're talking about their difficult stories, the things they've come through, almost all of them say, it's my pain, it's my experience, it's shaped me into who I am. And so if you're listening, and I know this could trigger some people, but if you're listening and it's like, but I want to be able to get to the other side and I want to be able to you know, move through this and not let it define me, there comes a point where you have to almost it's hard, but be grateful for the experiences because they've shaped you into who you are. So you don't look at them with the same level of resentment that you might have when you were in it is. And I think that that becomes such a, so I'm not surprised at all. That's what you said. I just wanted to share that, that that is a very common thing that comes through at the end of this podcast, when people are sharing something that they are grateful for. A lot of times it comes back to the pain that they live through. If I could go back to that moment where I was in that brutal pain, I would say one thing to myself, actually, if I could give myself some advice in that moment, it's not all about you, man. Mm. <laughs> it's not all about you. You yeah. might think that everybody thinks the way you do, and you might think that everybody has think, you know, in your own mind, your head is all screwed up and everybody around you is looking at it. They only knew what was going on in your head. Yeah. You might think that, but it's not all about you. And I always said, I was always thinking, oh, what did I do wrong? You know, Mr. Fix It again over here, trying to think of it. It's all about me. And eh, maybe try to understand what it's like on the other side for a little bit. Coming and going back into that understanding zone, right? It's not all about you. You mm-hmm. know, and I think that we get in that zone of, especially now, everybody thinks like me. I got to be right. Everybody thinks like me. No, not everybody thinks like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Powerful conversation. Thank you so much for spending this time um, oh, with awesome. me, with the audience, with sharing. And I, I cannot that. wait to put this message out into the world. And I'm grateful that our paths have connected. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'll even throw this out at your audience because I've already reduced my book in price, but I will actually give you a code for your audience. Perfect. Let me see here. What could be a good code for your audience? Mm. I'm going to go harmony code. So it's harmony code, all small caps. Mm-hmm. And if they're at checkout at my, um, either the books or the courses, they'll get a 10% discount on anything that they purchase off of my site from here forward. I'll put that code as this, as soon as this podcast is over. So as I said, I already reduced the price. So, so normally I would try to give a 20%, but mm-hmm. I don't, I need to, I need to actually not be losing money on my book. So I'll put it at 10% and we'll call it a day, but at least it's something I got to throw something back at your audience. So I pre- oh, I love that. Thank you so much. I'll make sure that that gets in the show notes too, so yeah. that that is there. 
and um, making sure I have all that. But we really appreciate that because you know what? It's, it's, there's a lot of times I'm listening to a podcast and I go down to the show notes. I'm like, where do I connect? How do I follow this person? What do I do? Because especially when it resonates with me and what the message that they're saying. So honestly, uh, I'll, I'll most definitely also after this is done, provide you with all my social media links as well. You can blast in there as well. So that if anybody wants to connect with me on social media, I'm all over the place. So yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. I would completely and totally agree, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.